Shalom, shalom, welcome, welcome, world changers. Tonight we're going to get into First and Second Chronicles. I mean, First Chronicles, First and Second Chapter, I should say. And the first chapter is kind of like a um, uh, just a review of some of the the uh, genealogy. In the second chapter, we'll get into that. We'll read a few of the Psalms as well. And as always, we'll be taking your questions and your comments live as we go. And I'm also streaming this live and broadcasting on Podbean as well as a podcast. So welcome, 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 everyone. Uh, One John says shalom, shalom. Welcome. Mark says shalom. Shalom, Mark. Welcome. Hope you guys are having an awesome evening so far. Calamento says shalom to everyone. We have a variety of smiley faces there. Okay, so good to see y'all. Let's get into First Chronicles chapter 1. First Chronicles chapter one. And again, this is kind of like a, just a review of some of the uh, genealogy um, from Adam up until the time of David. Okay. First Chronicles chapter one, genealogy from Adam. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalalel, J- Jared or Yared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The sons of Japheth were Gomer, Magog, Madai, Yavan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiraz. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz. I suppose this is where we get the, um, the term Ashkenazi Jews, perhaps. Ashkenaz. Defath, okay, Defath in the footnotes is Rifath in Genesis chapter 10, verse 3. So we got a couple different um, spellings of this, and uh, this is is interesting because of the fact that not always, especially when it comes to Chronicles, let me just say this, I mean, uh, I think this is... Definitely, it should be said right up front here as we're just starting uh, the book of First Chronicles. Chronicles does not have the same authority as, let's say, First Kings. And we, as you as you read through First Chronicles and compare it with First Kings, you'll notice that much of it is just a reflection of. I mean, it's just a repeat, basically. Um, Chronicles does repeat a lot of the things that have we've already covered, a lot of the things that's already in other parts of the Bible as well. Um, and so typically speaking, First Chronicles is viewed as like a midrash or like a um, almost like a not a commentary, um, but similar to that, that it's not a viewed as you know, quote unquote, the entire, like word, the word of God, word for word, you know, like from a prophet, but rather uh, as a midrash of what already existed in the scriptures when first Chronicles was written. So again, let's, let's just stop here for a second. Cause like we're getting into this deep as, as this is a deep Bible study. First Chronicles chapter one, verse five is what we just read. Let's just compare that with uh, some of the other Bibles and some of the other um, translations we have here. So first Chronicles chapter one, verse five. Now, um, excuse me here. This was 
verse six, excuse me, I get that. It wasn't verse five, but rather verse six. Checking it out through the uh, different Bibles. Now, the King James has got Riphath, Riphath, whereas the New King James says Dephath, okay, in the footnotes, spelled Riphath in Genesis chapter 10, verse 3. So this is interesting, because what happened here with the King James? Did they change it? Did they put Riphath in there, even though the original says Dephath? Just because they want to try to... They want to try to um, make it, you know, uh, what do you call it, reconcile the two? Did they dip into it? Did they change it? Well, we're going to find out. Riphath, Diphath, here is Riphath as well in the New Living Translation, although that's, <laughs> you can barely call, call that a translation, more like a paraphrase. Um, it says here, as in as in some Hebrew manuscripts and Greek version, the Greek version being the Septuagint, I suppose, uh, Genesis chapter 10, verse 3, most Hebrew manuscripts read Dephath. Um, and so over here we got Riphath as well. This is the NIV with uh, a footnote. Okay, saying the same thing. Most Hebrew manuscripts, uh, Dephath, uh, ESV, Riphath as well. Hebrew, the Septuagint, and the Hebrew is Diphath. Uh, CSB, Riphath. NASB is Diphath, Diphath. Uh, NET, Riphath. RSV, Diphath. Uh, ASV, Diphath. Okay, so let's, as you can see, it, it's quite different. Let, let's look at the, um, the Hebrew. Okay, let's look at the interlinear Bible. And see what it has in here. Okay, so um, okay, so right here it says it's got both actually. Uh, it's got uh, Defath and Rifath, uh, both here. Um, so that's kind of confusing. Um, although it does say in the foot footnotes that it actually is Defath. Um, here, whereas Riphath in in Genesis ten verse three, so let's uh, let's quickly go over to so it's Diphath. Um, if we go over to Genesis ten verse three, Riphath it says here, and in the interlinear again, um, it's got both. So it's no, it's it's excuse me, not both. It's uh, it's got Riphath, Riphath, uh, Riphath, whereas the other one was um, Diphath. So in this case, and I know that uh, uh, we people who study uh, the text and people who are very involved in textual criticism uh, would probably say that uh, the uh, First Chronicles chapter 1 verse 6 was could probably have been corrupted because one of the scribes mistaken the resh with uh with the dalit you see how it, they, they look very very similar 
the Resh is is looks very very similar to the Dalit, although the Dalit has more of like a uh, little little tail, if you were if you will, on the other on the uh, um, the the top right hand corner of it, whereas Rifath is more rounded. I mean, excuse me. Uh, Resh is more rounded there. So this is probably a good example of uh, corruption that has crept in there through uh, the scribe. And we'll, you know, th- we'll see this throughout the book of First Chronicles. We will see this. There are differences between not in words uh, and numbers even. There are differences. And I'm not about to bend over backwards to try to reconcile it because I don't think that's a good thing to do. I think we should look at it for what it really says instead of making excuses for it. Because I know that people, especially the ultra conservative, um, you know, fundamentalist uh, evangelical Christians would do anything. They, they They will make it reconcile no matter what. They'll reconcile it somehow. They'll make some excuse to reconcile it. But I think if the fact of the matter is known, the fact is, the scribe, one of the scribes, somewhere down the line, mistaken the resh for a delit. So, let's continue here. This is, again, First um, Chronicles chapter 1, verse 6. The sons of Gomer were Ashkenaz Diphath. Okay, so again, this is, I'm reading from the New American Standard. So the New American Standard is more, in this particular instance, is truer to the actual Hebrew as opposed to other translations that put Riphath in there. <coughs> if your translation has Riphath in there, it's probably because uh, the translators have copied it over from the King James Version. And uh, unfortunately, the King James translators uh, <laughs> I don't think it was a mistake. I think it was intentionally changing what it actually says into, into something that they, that, they th- that they thought it should say. So they intentionally changed Diphath into Riphath because of Genesis 10 verse 3 says Riphath. Okay. So Riphath and Togarma, or Diphath and Togarma, the sons of Yavan were Alisha, Tarshish, Katim and Rodanim. Rodanim in the uh, footnotes. Again, we have uh, Genesis chapter 10, verse 4, Dudanim. Okay, Dodanim instead of Rodanim. Okay, again, uh, the Dalit somehow got changed into, or the Rush somehow got ta- changed into a Dalit. The R, if you know, uh, um, I guess you would you know, com- comparing it with the English alphabet. It'd be like you know, um, how would that? I mean, the R would be it would be uh, um, confused with a D. Although in the English, it's very very different uh, as opposed to the Hebrew. It looks very much the same. Verse eight: The sons of Ham were Cush, Mitzrayim, Hut, and Canaan. The sons of Cush were Seba, Havilah, Sabta, Rama, and Sabtika. And the sons of Rama were excuse me, Sheba and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He began to be a mighty one on the earth. Mitzrayim fathered the people of Lud, Anam, 
Lahab, Naftu, Pathrus, and Kasla, Kaslu, from whom the Philistines came and the Kaftorim. Uh, by the way, for those of you who are not familiar with this, Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim is also a Hebrew word uh, for Egypt. Okay, Egypt. So um, very well could be that many of these people were uh, settled, like, settled in Egypt and became what we now know as the Egyptians. Uh, and the Philistines being those who are very um, uh, closely related to the Egyptians in that sense. Verse 13, Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and hate or hate, hate, and the Yebusites and the Amorites and the Girgashites, the Hivites and the Archites and the Sinites and the Arvadites and the Zemorites and the Hamathites. The sons of Shem were Elam, Ashur, Arphaxad, Lud, Aram, Uz, Hul, Gether and Meshach. Now, let me just say this as well. We know that um, we have Job. Okay, if you go to Job chapter 1, you'll see that it says here Job uh, and his family in Uz. So he came from the land of Uz, okay? Uh, so that, uh, that would tell us that Job was probably um, from this family line, from Shem. You know, uh, seeing that Shem, one of Shem's sons named was Uz. Uh, so Job probably was a descendant of that. And by the way, the Hebrew pronunciation of Job would have been Yob or Yov. Yov. Okay. Meshach, in the footnotes, we have Mash. Again, this is a different than Hebrew, uh, Genesis chapter 10, verse 23. And this is the reason why it's very, very important. Um, when you're doing your Bible studies, and when you're doing this like in, your, in, in private, and you're doing your own private Bible studies, it's important to compare. Like when you got different genealogies, compare. And you will, uh, <laughs> I know a lot of people won't like this, but the truth is you will see discrepancies. You will see differences. Um, so here's this, uh, uh, we have several examples right here. And again, if you compare Genesis chapter 10 with First Chronicles chapter 1, which one should win out? Which one has the most authority? It would be Genesis. Genesis would have had uh, the most authority as, a, as opposed to First Chronicles. Uh, First Chronicles being part of the Ketavim did not have the authority to be equal to or circumvent or, uh, you know, override what Genesis says. It's the other way around. Genesis has more authority. And that's what we have to keep in mind as we are studying the scriptures and comparing. By the way, too, I, I will say this as well. Uh, <laughs> I don't know how many of you have actually read um, the Bible especially the, the Gospels like this. If you were to put up, put Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and, and uh, compare what they say about certain events, um, you will find a lot of differences, a lot of differences. And I know how a lot of some Christians, they, they'll do everything they can to try to reconcile these differences. 
I don't think we, I don't think we should. I don't think we should. They were written as separate books by separate authors, different people. Um, Same with first Chronicles versus Genesis. The way you got to look at it is this, which one has the most authority. And if you don't know, then you can basically file it as unknown, or you could just um, c- compare both of you know the the books that contradict one another or have differences or discrepancies. Compare that with uh, with the, the scriptures that came before the previous scriptures. In in the case of the Gospels, it would be the Tanakh. Okay, so verse eighteen. Arphaxad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. Two sons were born to Eber. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Yoktan. Okay, now again, this is this is very interesting because this this Peleg means divided. Okay, and that's why it says his name was Peleg. Aber um, named one of his sons Peleg because uh, of the events that happened dur- during his, uh, you know, around the time of his birth, actually. Uh, so, um, so the, in, the, in his days, the earth was divided. Um, so there's a couple ways to translate, to, to interpret this. Now, some people interpret this as the, that the, uh, you know, in one at one point in time, the earth was all, all of the continents were as one. Um, uh, now, let me just see here. There's a name. There's a name for that. Pangea. Pangea, I think it is. Pangea. Where people be- would believe that at one point in time, there was... Um, that all of the continents of the earth were all together in one. And let me just let me just share something here. Share a picture. What some people believe. Again, this is just this is just a theory. Okay, that's not. Uh, I know some people could get their nose out of joint out of this kind of thing. But just so you know, I mean, there's this theory out there uh, that we have Pangea. That uh, you know, the idea was at some point in time the earth was all together as one, similar to what you see in this picture here. Um, let me see here. We got another picture, and like this one over here in the top right-hand corner. And the idea is, at one point in time, the Earth kind of broke apart, and and continents drifted apart from one another. I'm don't get me wrong. I'm not saying this is what happened, but I'm just saying this is one way of trans translating this whole thing. That for in his days the Earth was divided, the Earth broke up. Now. I think more likely than that would be the idea that in the days of Peleg, the earth was divided in the sense of um, Shem, your part of the earth is over here. Your, your land is over here. Ham, your land is over there. Japheth, Yafet, your land is up, up there. Okay. Um, so in that sense, the earth was divided. Um, Almost like by tribe, but you know, 
not by tribe, but the earth was divided into the major families of the human race. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, I think would probably be the more accurate way of looking at it. Although again, um, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Verse 20. Yoktan divided, or excuse me, I'm thinking about divided so much. Yoktan fathered Amodad, Shalef, Hazarmavath, Yera, and Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Ebal, Abimael, Sheba, Ophir, Habilah, and Yobab. All these were the sons of Yoktan. He's got a lot of sons. Shem, Arphaxed, said, Shela, Eber, Peleg, Reuel, Serug, Nahor, Tera, and Abram, and that is Abraham. For, uh, the sons of Abraham were Isaac and Ishmael. These are their genealogies. The firstborn of Ishmael was Nebaioth, then Kedar. Abiel, Mibsam, Mishma, Duma, Masa, Hadad, Tema, Yetur, Nafish, and Kedema. These were the sons of Ishmael, the sons of Keturah, Abraham's concubine, to whom she gave birth were Zimran, Yokshan, Madan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua. The sons of Yokshan were Sheba and Dedan. The sons of Midian were Epha, Epher, Hanok. Hanok is another name for another way of, I should say, another form of the name of Enoch. Uh, Abida and Elda, Elda. All these were the sons of Keturah. Father, excuse me, Abraham fathered Isaac. The sons of Isaac were Esau and Israel. Footnote says Jacob. And the sons of Esau were Eliphaz, Reuel, Yaush, Yalam, and Korah. The sons of Eliphaz were Taman, Omar, Zephi. Katam, Kenaz, Timnah, and Amalek. Hmm. Amalek. The sons of Ruel were Nahath, Zerah, Shama, and Miza. The sons of Sair were Lotan, Shobal, Zibion, Ana, Dishon, Azer, and Dishan. The sons of Lotan were Hori and Homam, Otan's sister was Timna. The sons of Shobal were Alian, Man Manahath, Ebal, Shefi, and Om Onam. And the sons of Zibion were Ai, Aya, <coughs> and Anna. The son of Anna was Dishon, and the sons of Dishon were Hamran, Eshban, Ithran, Ithram, or excuse me, Ithran, and Keran. The sons of Azer were Bilha, Bilhan, 
Zavan and Yakan. The sons of Dishan were Uz and Aran. Now these are the kings who reigned in the land of Edom before any king from the sons of Israel reigned. Bela was the son of Beor, and the name of his city was Dinha. When Be Bela died, Yobab, the son of Zerah of Bozrah, became king in his place. When Yobab died, Husham of the land of the Temanites became king in his place. When Husham died, Hadad, the son of Bedad, who defeated Midian in the field of Moab, became king in his place. And the name of his city was Avith. When, Had when Hadad died, Samla of Masrikah became king in his place. When Samla died, Shaul, again, that would be another name for Saul, of Rehoboth, by the Euphrates River, became king in his place. Notice Euphrates is in the italics. That means it's not in, it's not in the original manuscripts. It literally says, uh, Shaul of Rehoboth, by, by the river. Uh, became king in his place. So uh, apparently the uh, uh, the translators here uh, thought that the river meant Euphrates. And I believe it's probably accurate. When Shaul died, Baal Hanan, the son of Akbor, became king in his place. When Baal Hanan died, Hadad became king in his place. And the name of his city was Pai. Uh, so we got we got lots of let's see, Hadad here in the footnotes uh, in Genesis again. It's different. It's Hadar, not Hadad, uh, and also Pi uh, in the footnotes in Genesis is Pau Pau Pau. So you got lots of different spellings here, and again, this is probably just. Uh, scribes that are the scribal mistakes, if you want to put it that way, copying mistakes. And his wife's name was Mahetabel, the daughter of Matrade, the daughter of Mezahab. Then Hadad died. Now the tribal chiefs of Edom were Chief Timnah, Chief Chief Aliyah, Chief Yetheth, Chief, Chief Ohalibama, Chief Elah, Chief Pinon, Chief Kezaz, Chief Taman, Chief Mibzar, Chief Magdiel, Chief Iram. These were the chiefs of Edom. Now, again, we got so many different footnotes here. Say, like, for example, footnote R is of Alva in. Genesis 36, Oliva instead of Alia. Alia. Oliva. Okay, let's see what we got here. Um, just as a little bit of a, uh, a footnote as well. I mean, a thought, I should say. Um, Lord willing, one of these days, I'm not sure when we'll do it. I'm perhaps even Saturday. I'm not sure. Maybe we should compare the genealogy, talk about genealogies of uh, Matthew versus Luke. Versus Genesis versus First Chronicles. Compare all these genealogies. I know the traditional interpretation of 
Matthew versus Luke. One is the genealogy of Mary and one is the genealogy of Joseph. That might work. That might be a way to reconcile the two. I would seriously question that. I would seriously question that. Not to be overly um, challenging of this of, of of what Matthew or Luke said, but rather just to be real about it. I could see them putting in the genealogy of Joseph, but why Mary? You know, they would say, well, he was born of a virgin and he came from Mary, not Joseph. But legally, um, Joseph was betrothed to Mary, so legally it would have been his son anyway. And I think it's very important to understand as well uh, in ancient days, even in New Testament days. Um, I was just listening to um, a, a t uh, actually a scholar talk about this earl um, earlier today, uh, that in ancient days, even in New Testament days, an adopted child is considered to have more authority for the most part, usually more authority and better privileges than a natural born child. Just saying. Um, so I can I can see how because it would go right along with all the rest of scripture. The, the rest of scripture always takes the line of the father. So I could see that one of them. Well, we'll I mean, we'll we'll get, we we can get into this a little bit in more detail depth um, when the time comes. But you know, even even if one of them one of those lines is of Joseph, the question is, and I think. You know the answer. The question is, does it really line up with what the Tanakh says? We Maybe we'll get into that some other time. Um, but I think it's going to be a good study. It's a good study. Look at it from all points of view. Like, could it be that one of these, uh, one of uh, Matthew and or Luke uh, is about Mary and the other one's about Joseph? Could it be? But look at it from a very uh, neutral or unbiased point of view. I think that's very important. Let's see what we got here in the comments here um, before we go on. Vinny says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Good to see you. Welcome. Hope you're doing well, brother. Going nowhere, ask the question, was Job a Jew or a Gentile? Well, that's a very, very good question. Uh, very good question. Technically speaking, biologically speaking, he was a Gentile. Okay? And that's a good question because of the fact that we know that Job knew the law. Long Job existed about around the time of Abraham, they 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 estimate, uh, which was long before Moses was ever born. But we know again, we know by the evidence that we have in the scriptures that the law of God, the word of God, the instructions of God, the Torah existed from before creation. I mean, it, it was something that uh, Abel uh, obeyed. That's why he was accepted. That's why he was hated by Cain. Cain didn't obey it. That's why he was rejected. Noah obeyed it. Uh, Abraham obeyed it. It says it very, very clearly in Genesis chapter 26, I believe, if I'm right. Um, and Job as well obeyed it. Um, 
And he knew what sin was because it says, well, perhaps I, perhaps one of my children sinned. I'm going to, you know, bring a sacrifice to, to, uh, to take care of that. If, if one of my children did sin, he wouldn't know what sin was, or even if there is such a thing as sin, if there wasn't a law, the law of God. Uh, so that's another good point that the law of God applies to Jews and Gentiles alike. It does not matter. The law does not discriminate. Going nowhere, ask the question, what are your thoughts on King James Version only Christians? Try to be as respectful as possible. Um, I think they need to learn more. <laughs> okay. I think they need to learn more. I think they need to uh, renounce their KJV idolatry. Um step back and uh, and look at it for what it really is. The King James Version translators uh, made it very clear that they were certainly not perfect and they were not inspired as the sense, like they did not translate. They were, they were human beings. Yes, they translated, I believe, the best that they knew how, or they, they really did a good job, all things considered. They didn't have a whole lot of um, resources to go by back in those days. You know, in the late 1500s, and by the time it got released in 1611, um, you didn't have a whole lot of resources to go by back in those days. Today, we have a whole lot more resources. We have thousands of manuscripts to compare. They didn't have much back in those days. They didn't have much back in those days. You know, back, um, uh, I need to get a, there was, uh, there was a Bible scholar uh, way back hundreds of years ago, and he had a hundred manuscripts available, only a hundred. Like now there's what, close to six, well, at least close to 6,000. Last I heard was like 5,700, something like that. Probably more now. But way back when, there was a scholar that had like a hundred manuscripts to go by. And uh, he wrote um, in his, uh, it was a Greek New Testament, I think it was. And he wrote footnotes as to in regards to every variation, every variant variation of the manuscripts, just a hundred. And they say that he came up with like 30 some odd thousand differences <laughs> in a hundred manuscripts. 30 some odd thousand differences in a hundred manuscripts. How much more today when we got almost 6,000 6, manuscripts? There are a lot of variants. There are a lot of variations in the manuscripts. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, King James Version translators didn't have that much to work with. Today, we have a whole lot more. Um, so yeah, I think there was a lot of things that they translated they could have translated better, but then again, I mean, we're comparing old English to new English too. I mean, like modern English compared to, you know, 16, 11, you know, 16th, 17th century English. It's, it's, it's kind of, you're comparing two different animals here. Uh, those are my thoughts. They're going nowhere. I don't think anybody should be King James version only. I don't think anybody should be new American. American Standard Version only. I don't think anybody should be NI only. I think that they should all, people should come to the open mind. They, you know, Bible translations are just that. Uh, there is a, uh, uh, 
a rabbi, actually, I know of. I've heard probably hundreds of hours of his teaching uh, over the past 10 years or so. Um, and I've heard him say so many times, he knows his Hebrew more than anybody, no, more than anybody that I know of, he knows his Hebrew. And he says that 80%, I'm not saying 18, I'm saying 80, 80, 80% of the meaning is lost in translation. So take that in, in, into consideration. 80% of the meaning is lost in translation. And then add the other factors in there as well, is that the translators are just humans. They make mistakes. You know, on and on it goes. And some things cannot be ad adequately translated properly. Um, and that's the reason why we should, if we really want to get into a deep study of the scriptures, we should compare Bible translations. We should look into the original um, you know, Hebrew or the, the original Greek, look into the variations of the different manuscripts. I mean, we, it, it, you can spend a lot of time, and I know we're not getting that deep in, in this particular series that we're doing right now, um, but that's something that we can do like in our, in, our, um, in our private time, in our own private studies. Jeff says King James only works, but you might miss something important that would help you to the smaller gate. A absolutely, Jeff, and welcome, by the way. Uh, Shalom, welcome. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, like the King James Version, they did not put in, like, for example, we have the, uh, how many, many, like the ending of um, the book of Mark, Mark chapter 16, a good part of it. Uh, a good chunk of John chapter 8, lots of different things that were not in the earliest manuscripts. But I don't think the King James Version, uh, King James translators knew that. They put it in the Bible as if it was like, you know, legit written by Mark or, or John. But now that we see uh, all the evidence that we have is these parts of the Bible are nowhere to be found in any manuscripts like previous to like what 300 and some odd AD. Like it's like this. It's like, can you imagine if, if I wrote a book and 300 years, you know, come, you know, come uh, to the year 2322, uh, someone adds to my book. Someone adds a paragraph at the end or in the middle of the book. And then someone finds it like a couple thousand years later. It's like, okay, so, oh, oh, so Christopher didn't write that. How do you know? Because for 300 years, the first 300 years, it wasn't in any of any of those uh, quote unquote manuscripts. Uh, so it's very important to know these things. Going Nowhere says, ask the question, do you think Christians should be selective or cautious about the mo movies we watch, the music we listen to, books we read, etc.? Absolutely, without a question. Absolutely, without a question. Um, many of these movies, all of these different forms of media, movies, music, books, can uh, be conduits um, 
for evil spirits and for the devil to use or any of his minions or, you know, and it it is used. I mean, the vast majority of, of movies and music and books, by the way, the vast majority of all these things are, uh, are, are just bad, are just bad. And no, yeah, you see like our eyes are gates, right? Our ears are gates. Um, so yeah, I think one of the most, when someone becomes a Christian, if someone's a Christian, uh, one, the first thing they should do, apart from repenting from their old sinful lifestyle, is to clean up and make sure, you know, you don't allow these movies, secular movies, uh, secular music and secular books, even in the house, nowhere in the, in the home at all. Absolutely. We're called to be holy, set apart, separate. Uh, and uh, these things are just not only a gateway to evil, but they're also a waste of time for the most part. I mean, there are, there's some, a few, few good movies, a few good you know, music and f- a few good books, you know, all things considered. You look at how many books are available on Amazon or something like that. But yeah, the vast majority is, is not. Good question. Going nowhere. Amanda says, Shalom. Shalom, Amanda. Good to see you. Welcome. Yeah, Vinny says, definitely be cautious and selective about movies and music. And I say amen to that. The Tower Times says, Shalom, brothers and sisters. <laughs> Excuse me. I pray blessings will pour over you, over you all from the windows of heaven. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes. Amen to that. Absolutely. Welcome, brother blessings multiplied back to you. Jay says, been watching your YouTube shorts. Would love to have a biblical discussion with you on a live stream. Okay. Um, What I could do, Jay, it depends on how uh, how how uh, how fast we go through. I want to I want to read some of these scriptures tonight. If we get through these scriptures, uh, you know, without uh, too much ado, uh, we can you can come on tonight. Does that sound good to you? One John says. I think that the King James Version is primarily important because the Strong's Concordance is based up on the King James Version. So uh, when I have question, a questionable verse, I go to the King James Version. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, you know, the Strong's uh, is, a ver- is a valuable resource. Uh, <laughs> the Strong's is a valuable resource, and the Strong's Concordance, uh, the words in the Strong's Concordance is only really um, is only really good. Uh, with the King James version. He can't really do any of that. Jay, Jay says, perfect. Perfect. Jay. Um, do I, do I know, uh, have you, have you communicated with me before Jay on TikTok or on YouTube or anything like that? If you have, could you please let me know, um, what your, your handle is first Chronicles chapter two. First Chronicles chapter two. Yeah, Jay, I'm just waiting. Are you, um, 
Are you someone that I've communicated with before on TikTok or on YouTube? If you are, could you please let me know your screen name for that? All right. In the meantime, while before we uh, just waiting for Jay here. In the meantime, we'll go to First Chronicles chapter two. Genealogy: the twelve sons of Israel. Jacob. These were the sons of Israel: Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, Dan, Joseph, Benjamin, Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. The sons of Judah were Er, Onan, and Shelah. These three were born to him by Bethshua, the Canaanitess. But Er, Judah's firstborn, was evil in the sight of the Lord, so he put him to death. His daughter-in-law, Tamar, bore him Perez and Zerah. Judah had five sons in all. The sons of Perez were Hezron and Hamul. The sons of Zerah were Zimri, Ethan, Haman, Kalkol, and Dara, five of them in all. The sons of Carmi was Akar, the son of the one who brought disaster on Israel by violating the ban. The son of Etan was Azariah. Azariah. Now, again, we have a, a whole litany of names here. Um, so Zimri, in Josh chapter 7, verse 1, is Zabdi, Zabdi. Uh, Dara, in 1 Kings 4, 31, it's Darda. The son of Carmi, okay, or the sons of Carmi, were Akar, which is which is Aiken. Again, we have so many different uh, so many different differences here. Um, who brought disaster on Israel by violating the ban? So we know that Aiken Aiken took of the. Uh, uh, devoted objects or the ob the objects that should have been destroyed and uh he, he basically it was more like a familiar object uh, unto a con okay verse 9 now the sons of Hezron who were born to him were Yeremael Ram and Chalubai, Ram fathered Aminadab, and Aminadab fathered Nashon, leader of the sons of Yehuda or Judah. Nashon fathered Salma, Salma fathered Boaz, Boaz fathered Obed, and Obed fathered Yeshay, and Yeshay fathered Eliab, his firstborn, then Aminadab, the second, Shemaiah, the third, Nathanael, the fourth, Radai, the fifth, Ozaim, the sixth, and David, the seventh. Their sisters were Zeruiah and Abigail. And the three sons were Zeruiah, of Zeruiah were Abishai, Yoab, and Asahel. Abigail gave birth to As Amasa, Amasa. And the father of Amasa was Yether, the Ishmaelites. Now again, a lot of these, a lot of these names um, are different in other parts of the Bible. Okay, other parts of the Bible, these names are different. 
And again, just to prove that the first Chronicles was uh, more like a midrash and not uh, did not have the authority of the other parts of the Bible. Uh, verse 18. Now Caleb, the son of Hezron, had sons by Azuba, his wife, and by Yerioth. And these were her sons, Yasher, Shobab, and Ardon. When Azuba died, Caleb married Ephrath, who bore to him Hur, Hur Uri, and Uri fathered Bezalel. Later, Hezron had relations with the daughter of Machir, the father of Gilead, whom he married when he was six years old, and bore to him Segub. Segub fathered Yair, who had 23 cities in the land of Gilead, Geshur, and out their villages, or took the villages of Yair from them, when Kenath and its villages, 60 settlements, and his village in 60 settlements. All of these were the sons of Machir, the father of Gilead. After the death of Hezron and Caleb, Ephratha, Abiyah, Hezron's wife, bore to him Ashur, the father of Kah. Now the son of Yeramael, the firstborn of Hezron, were Ram, Ram the firstborn, and Buna, Arain, Ozen and Ahijah, or Ahijah. Yeremael had another wife whose name was Atara. She was the mother of Onam. The sons of Ram, the firstborn of Yeremael, were Maaz, Yamin, and Akeh. The sons of Onam were Shemai and Yada. The sons of Shemai were Nashur. The name of Abishur's wife was Abihel, and she bore to him Aban and Molid. The sons of Naban were Seled and Apaim. And Seled died without sons. The son of Apaim was Ishi. The son of Ishi was Sheshan. And the son of Sheshan, uh, Ahlai. The sons of Yada, the brother of Shammai, were Yether and Jonathan, and Yether died without sons. The sons of Jonathan were Peleth and Zaza. These were of Yeremael. Now Sheshan had no sons, only daughters. Sheshan also had an Egyptian servant whose name was Yarla, Yarha. Sheshan gave his daughter to his servant Yarha in marriage. She bore to him Atai. Atai fathered Nathan. Nathan fathered Zabad. Zabad fathered Aflal. Aflal fathered Obed. Obed fathered Yehu. And Yehu fathered Azariah. I have fathered Helaz. Helaz fathered Eliasa. Eliasa fathered Sismai. I fathered Shalom. Shalom fathered Yakamia. 
And Yechemiah fathered Elishema. Now the sons of Caleb, the brother of Yeremiel, were Mesha, firstborn, who was the father of Ziph, and his son was Meresha, the father of Hebron. The sons of Hebron were Korah, Tapua, Rechem, and Shema. Shema fathered Raham, the father of Yorkeam, and Rechem fathered Shai. The son of Shemai was Maon, and Maon was the father of Bethzur. Epha, Caleb's concubine, gave birth to Haran, Moza, and Gazez, and Haran fathered Gazez. The sons of Yadai were Regem, Yotham, Geshen, Pelet, Epha, and Shaf. Maka, Caleb's concubine, gave birth to Sheber and Tirhana. She also gave birth to Shaphath, the daughter, or the, excuse me, the father of Madmana, Sheva, the father of Machbena, and the father of Gibeah, and the daughter of Caleb was Aksa. These were the sons of Caleb. The sons of Hur, the firstborn of Ephrathah, were Shobal, the father of Kiriath Yerim, Salma, the father of Bethlehem, Haref, the father of Beit Gader, Shobal, the father of Kiriath Yerim, had sons, Haroe, the, the, the half of the Manath, Manathites, and the families of Kiriath Yerim, the Ithrites, the Puthites and Shmuthites and the Misrites. From these came the Zorathites and the Eshtaolites. The sons of Salma were Bethlehem and Notophathites. Atroth, Beth, Yoab, and half of the Manahathites. And Zorites, the families of the scribes who lived at Yabez, were the Tirathites and the Shimeathites and the Sukathites. Those are the Kenites who came from Hamath, the father of the house of Rechab. Okay, again, here, let me see what we got here before we get into the Psalms. I'm going to read several Psalms. Yes, one John, you nailed it really good. And uh, Jay, yes, Jay, if you have anything, please. This is what I always say because, I mean, we don't want to. Uh, I welcome everybody, whether you like me or you don't like me, whether you're whether you're a friend or a foe. However, uh, just to avoid a whole lot of unnecessary maliciousness that some people can actually <laughs> some people are very malicious and sorry jay i'm not i'm not familiar with you so if you could if you could please provide your username um if you don't have a tiktok or youtube username that we can uh we can look look you up or uh, a facebook name uh, or link 
uh, please do that, please. Uh, and uh, provided all is well, you can come on after I do the Psalms. Okay, so Psalm 43. Psalm 43, vindicate me, God. Now, let me just go back up step step here. So this is Psalm 43, a prayer for help, the New American Standard Bible. Vindicate me, God, and plead my case against an ungodly nation. Save me from the deceitful and unjust person. In the footnotes, it says, may you. May you save me from the deceitful and unjust person. For you are the God of my strength. Why have you rejected me? Why do I go about mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Send out your light and your truth. They shall lead me. They shall bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling places. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my exceeding joy. And I will praise you on the lyre, my God, or God, my God. Why are you in despair, my soul? And why are you restless within me? Wait for God, for I will again praise him for the help of his presence, my God. Amen. Psalm 44. Former times of of help and present troubles for the for uh, for the music director a mesquil of the sons of Korah. God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us the work that you did in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations. Then you planted them. You afflicted the peoples. Then you let them go free. For by their own sword, they did not possess the land, and their own arm did not save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your presence, for you favored them. You are my king, God. Command victories for Jacob. Through you, we will push back our adversaries. Through your name, we will trample down those who rise up against us. For I will not trust in my bow, nor will, I, will my sword save me. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. In God, we have boasted all day long, and we will give thanks to your name forever, Selah. Yet you have rejected us and brought us to dishonor and do not go out with our armies. You cause us to turn back from the enemy and those who hate us have taken spoils for themselves. Turn us over to be eaten like sheep and have scattered us among the nations. You sell your people cheaply and have not profited by their sale. You make us an object of approach to our neighbors, of scoffing and ridicule to those around us. You make us a proverb among the nations, a laughstock among the peoples. All day long my dishonor is before me, 
and I am covered with my humiliation. Because of the voice of who taunts and reviles, because of the presence of the enemy and the avenger. All this has come upon us, but we have not forgotten you. And we have not dealt falsely with your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, and our steps have not deviated from your way. Yet you have crushed us in a place of jackals and covered us with deep darkness. If we have forgotten the name of our God or extended our hands to a strange God, would God not find this out? For he knows the secrets of the heart. But for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Wake yourself up. Why do you sleep, Lord? Awake. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and oppression? For our souls have sunk down into the dust. Our bodies cling to the earth. Rise up. Be our help and redeem us because of your mercy. Psalm 45, a song celebrating the king's marriage. For the music director, according to the Shoshanim, Shoshanim says here possibly lilies, a masquil, again, contemplative, didactic, wisdom psalm, of the sons of Korah, a song of love. My heart is moved with a good theme. I address my verses to the, to the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. You are the most handsome of the sons of mankind. Grace is poured upon your lips. Therefore, God has blessed you forever. Strap your sword. On your thigh, mighty one, in your splendor and majesty, and in your majesty ride on victoriously for the cause of truth, humility, and righteousness. Let your right hand teach teach you awesome things. In the footnotes, fearful things. Your arrows are sharp. The peoples fall under you. Your arrows are the are in the heart of the king's enemies. Your throne, God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of justice. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God has anointed you with the oil of joy above your companions. All your garments went with myrrh, aloes, and cassia, from ivory palaces, stringed instruments have made you joyful. King's daughters are among your noble women. At your right hand, the, the queen in gold stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Listen, daughter, look and incline your ear. Forget your people and your father's house. Then the king will crave your beauty because he is your Lord. Bow down to him. The daughter of Tyre will come with a gift. The wealthy among the people will seek your favor. The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is interwoven with gold. She will be brought 
to the king in colorful garments, the virgins, her companions who follow her, will, excuse me, the virgins, her companions who follow her, will be brought to you. They will be brought with joy and rejoicing. They will enter into the king's palace. In place of your fathers will be your sons. You shall make them princes in all the earth. I will make your name known among all generations. Therefore, the peoples will praise you forever and ever. And again, let's check out, see what we got here in the comments. Um, just before that, I need to... Okay, let me see what else we got here in the comments. One John says at Nanya Biz. Okay, so Mike, yeah, I, this is one of the quest, the comments that did not come through here, so I, I could not post it. I did not see it, Mike. It's, it just it's not here. I had to go to a, to the actual YouTube feed itself instead of my software for some, for some reason. The software that I have missed that. You said that you put four gospels side by side and found perfect chronology. <laughs> um, well. <laughs> uh, it's very well known. I mean, it's very well known that the Gospel of John uh, is way out of way out of chron chronological order. That's why it's called. Uh, it, it's 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 in a league all by itself. Um, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synaptic, synoptic Gospels for a reason. That's because you you can put them side by side and can and compare them, but the Gospel of John you can't. Because they say 90 to 93% of the Gospel of John is not even in the other Gospels. And the stuff that is in the, is in the Gospel of John is completely in different order. For example, if you want an example, Mike, I'll give you an example. So when, when Jesus cleared the temple, in the other Gospels, it's around the end of his life, around the end of his ministry. In the Gospel of John, it's in the beginning. So... I don't I don't know how you can find perfect perfect chronology because the chronology in that one example alone I'm just, that's just one example I'm, I, we can go on with a lot okay but I don't want to spend a lot of time on that right now but I'm just giving you for example this is just a for example Mike that example right there it's the it's totally out of chronological order it's no perfect chronology unless you're reading a, a, an altered Bible that could have completely altered the, the Gospel of John. Now, it's not just the Gospel of John. And I'm not talking about just chronology either. Although, Mike, you did specify that you found a per perfect chronology. What I mean is lining up. You got different accounts of even the uh, what day Jesus was crucified, what day he was um Excuse me. What day he um, he had the Last Supper? Um, how many people came to the tomb? Who came to the? There's so many, so many differences. So many differences. And I, you know, and I would encourage. I want to encourage anybody. And again, I, it, this is kind of off the topic. And perhaps Saturday we'll get into it. Maybe maybe Saturday we can get into it because uh, that could be a very interesting conversation. Um, and this is the thing. 
I know there are Christians. I know there are Christians. I know there are pastors. I know there are people who will say that it's reconcilable even when it's absolutely not. <laughs> you know, it's like, for example, if someone says, yeah, I witnessed that accident. It was that red car that hit this, you know, this white car. Someone else can say, yes, I witnessed that. It was a, it was a um, black car that hit the white car. Now, common sense would say there is a contradiction. When you when one person says red car, the other person it says no, it's a black car. It's a contradiction. Now I know people can bend over backwards and people can make it make and reconcile somehow. They can say, well, it was a red car and a black car. I mean, you can say whatever you want to say, but if you just use common sense and just a little bit of neutral, unbiased perspective, you can say there's a contradiction. There are lots, lots of contradictions. Lots of contradictions. Um, and again, I don't want to, I don't get into that right now. Um, is that about, you know what, you know, let me, before I, before I get on here, before I go on, let me just say this. Um, To those who are very weak and fragile and feeble of faith, that could shake their faith. They could say, oh no, there can't be any, any contradictions because, because I was told there's no contradictions. Therefore, there can't be. Therefore, there isn't. Therefore, I'm not going to see any. Because I guarantee you, I guarantee you one thing. If you have bought into the lie that there's no contradictions, you will not see any. I guarantee that. You will look at the Bible and you say, there's no, there's no contradictions there. The problem is the Bible is not biblical. The Bible canon is not biblical. And the idea that man, not God, but man put together a whole bunch of books and called it the Holy Bible and idolized it as the Holy Word of God and everything. And there's no contradictions. There's no error. There's no, nothing. That is the biggest problem. That has that lie has produced a lot of atheists, and I guarantee you, if you look at the Bible for what it really is, and look at for each book for what it really says about itself, it will it will strengthen your faith and not hurt your faith. It will bless you. It will not be a a curse. And I, I speak from experience. I remember back in the days when I first really started walking with God seriously back in 1992. I confess, I'll tell you something. Uh, let me tell you something. There was somebody I met that spoke, that, that said the same things that I'm saying right now. And that really, that really caused me to panic. And that really caused me to deny what they were saying. Why? Because my faith was weak and fragile and shallow because my knowledge was weak, fra fragile, and, and shallow. The more I studied and the more I understood, the more I saw, the more light was shed on the subject, the stronger my faith became and the more I saw that what that person said was true. 
absolutely true. So, I mean, if you approach it, if you approach it with the bias of saying there's no contradictions because I was told that and I believe it and I, I will never believe a lie because I'm so good. I'm too good for that. If you approach it with that kind of attitude, if you approach it with that kind of arrogance, you're not going to see any contradictions. You're going to bend over backwards to say, oh, yeah, Jesus said over here, take a staff over there. He said, don't. Oh, well, but, but it, it was two different times even though obviously it wasn't. <laughs> it was obviously talking about this exact same event. But I mean, you can make an excuse for anything. Like how I say, there's no such thing as undeniable evidence. There is no such thing as undeniable evidence. You can have truth stare you right in the face and you can still deny it. You can have the best evidence in the world and still, and still deny it. What I would encourage everyone to do is to come with an open mind and come with with enough humility to say, you know what? Perhaps I did believe something that wasn't true in the past. Perhaps I'm just not that perfect. Perhaps I bought into a lie. I admitted I did. I did. Back in the early days, I did. You know, I, I fell right into the groove of the mainstream Christian narrative for a little while. I did. But then I read the Bible for myself. Then I thought for myself, just like many of you, okay? I mean, you, I, all it, you, got, you got all it takes right in front of you. You just read it. And you know what you should do when you read the Bible? You should not look at it as one book, as one inerrant book. You should look at it as many books written by many different authors. And, and some of these authors never claimed to be inerrant. They never claimed to be a, a, a prophet. They never claimed. Some of these authors never even claimed to be a man of God or a woman of God. Oh, they were all men, actually, but you know what I mean. Yeah, none. I got this one. None of your business. Um, uh, <laughs> Mike, I, I, I would, I, I'd be really, you know what? Could you send a, a, a screenshot of your side by side without it being altered, including the book of John in perfect harmony? Send a screenshot to this email. Perfect harmony. I mean, you said chronologically perfect. If you if you do, then I'm telling you something. You have a you have gospels that I have never seen in my life, and that I've never even seen on on uh, on on the internet at all. So, Trish has got it right. She says, "I thought they were calling Matthew. I thought they called Matthew, Mark, and Luke synoptic gospels, uh, and John a historical gospel." Actually. <laughs> Well, historical is it? That's uh, I, but I get what you're saying. Yeah, um, that's what they do. They, uh, they they would call John the historical gospel, but the the historicity of it is is very very questionable to say the least. However, yeah, the synoptic gospels mean that you. It means simply that you that it, it does. You can line them up side by side. Doesn't mean that they don't contradict. It just means that you can, you know, you know, okay, so Jesus was born, you know, Jesus was born over, you know, the, Matthew started with Jesus' birth and Luke started with, you know, Jesus' birth and you line it up like, like that, excuse me, in the baptism of John and, 
and how he called his disciples. By the way, like many of these things, there are, there are, uh, yeah, there are, there are contradictions there. Does that mean that we can, that we should throw them out? Of course not. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are witnesses, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The synoptic gospels are witnesses. They're called witnesses for, I mean, they're called synoptic gospels because they're, they're, you, can, you can line them up side by side. The gospel of John, you can't. Um, but they're witnesses. Are they first-hand, first-hand witnesses? Um, I don't think Mark is. Luke probably isn't either. Matthew could be. I know a lot of scholars would say that neither Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John are are firsthand witnesses because they say that John was not written by the disciple John, but rather a different John. Although there were a lot of people who were called John back in those days. Um, Nonetheless, uh, if you take witnesses to an event, any event, you name it, if you take three witnesses, three quote-unquote synoptic witnesses, you're going to find contradictions. That's normal. If you, if you take three witnesses and they are perfect, if they perfectly align in everything they say, that should be a red flag. There's, there's, some, there's some conspiracy somewhere. There's something wrong somewhere. If you, if you go through a court trial, if you go to court, if you go through a trial and you produce three witnesses and each one of these three witnesses say exactly the same thing, guess what? The testimony of these witnesses will be thrown out as garbage. Why? Because there is no such thing as three witnesses giving the exact same testimony. No contradictions. They're going to contradict. That's natural. That's, that's what it, I mean, that's just reality. If they don't contradict, that is a good sign of conspiracy. Um, when they do contradict, it makes them even more believable. I like to bring out the example of the Titanic because I've done a lot of studies. Of, you know, years ago, I've I've really dug into the story of the Titanic and listened to uh, listened to the read things about the Titanic and listened to videos of the survivors, people who have. First-hand witnesses, first-hand, first-hand, and they contradicted each other. I was there, and they sang, this song was the last song. No, 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 I was there too. That was not the last song. It was this other song. That's the one that was sang. And then somebody else says, I was there. I was there in, in, the, in, the, in one of the only lifeboats that was there, and, and I saw Captain Smith jump the side of of the as it was and the other witness said oh, i was there too i was there too i was right there pretty much with him he went down and he was he remained in the bridge all the time he went down with the ship in the bridge there's so many contradictions with within the first-hand witnesses first-hand witnesses contradictions that just makes it all the more real now, all aligned up perfectly in everything they say, then the, well, that's unreal. It's just unreal. 
Now, again, the, the Matthew, Mark, and Luke are not all firsthand witnesses. That's commonly known. So there's even more reason for contradiction there. And if it's not, then guess what? Something's wrong. Like how we read just earlier uh, in Chronicles, how the King James translators changed the name, probably many names, and we didn't even compare uh, all the names, but the King James translators changed the name to match Genesis, even though in the original Hebrew, it doesn't have that name. That's, that's wrong. I don't, think the, I don't think any Bible translators should do that. They shouldn't be changing what the original says just to make it line up with something else so there's no contradictions. Trish asked the question, we are in the, in the Psalms, so that is King David, correct? Well, actually, that's, uh, most of them are. Uh, the Psalm that we read was, it's called A Maskil of the Sons of Korah. Uh, I mean, so uh, uh, it, that's a Psalm of Korah, the Sons of Korah, I should say. Now, it depends on how picky you want to get. Like, could, have, could it have been that the sons of Korah actually wrote it and then David actually copied it or David wrote it and the sons of Korah dictated it or whatever the case is? Uh, but generally speaking, yes, the Psalms, for the most part, are King David. And in many of the ones that we uh, have read and will read are King David. Thank you very much for the question, uh, Trish. Abriel. Welcome, Abriel. Good to see you. Thank you, Christopher, for reading the Psalms. You're welcome. Abriel. Abriel again says, a good friend of mine is in legal custody just this weekend. He was violently removed and taken in, and I'm feeling a bit low in spirit. Psalms lifts us up. Is a bit difficult to pray in this circumstance. I understand, Abriel. I understand. May the Lord give you strength and wisdom and uh and peace in that situation and uh and uh, i pray for peace in your friend's life as well and for justice in the name of yeshua of nazareth everyone said amen and amen amen so mike again i don't want to get into too much of this right now i will i will uh let me see here the picture that you sent me um Okay. Uh, okay. So thank you for sending me that picture, uh, Mike. Um, let me just, let me just, I'll show everybody this, this picture that you sent me. And please understand, I don't want to go too deep in this. I think we spent enough time on like, <laughs> quite a bit more time on this than we should have actually tonight since we're actually on a different topic, but this is the picture guys that Mike sent me. Um, so we got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Now, I mean, uh, <laughs> there's a lot to say about this. I mean, first of all, it, it, there's it doesn't really it doesn't really put it side to side by side per se. I mean, there's a, a little bit of notes here and there, um, but it doesn't really it doesn't really put it side by side. Uh, and as you can see, John, why? you don't have there's the chronology of john is not there at all except for here in verse it was it chapter 12 you got some here um in the last supper but is it, this is not really comparing the way i'm you can say okay so john 13 says the same as you know um 
Luke 22 and Mark 14 and Matthew 26, but you're not showing what it's actually saying. Um, and that's not really showing any chronological order either. Um, I mean, it's, it's got some, some kind of comparison, but very, 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 um, uninformative. And again, Lord willing, perhaps this, this coming Shabbat Saturday, we will do, we'll actually put it side by side, not just say like Mark, Mark 19 and with a couple words, but rather compare them, really compare them. Um, yeah, so this, uh, you know, uh, very, very scarce and uninformative um, It doesn't really show us much of anything, uh, Mike. It really doesn't. Trish says, if the Bible is not biblical, where do we go? Okay. Um, sorry. Maybe I uh, you know, um, should explain myself a little bit more here. When I say the Bible, I'm talking about the actual um, canon of the Bible. I'm not talking about the books of the Bible. I'm not talking about any the contents of the Bible per se. I'm talking about the actual canon uh, and the actual the actual um, compilation itself. Excuse me. So, like for example, I, I'm, I'm sorry if you're listening if you're watching this on a mobile device. This would be almost impossible to see. I'm sorry, uh, but this is this is a chart of, of this is 13 different Bible canons. Okay, and and so the ones in green are the ones that are found that are for sure um, in in these Bible canons. So we got, you know, first of all the Jewish Bible. The rest of them, the rest of all the ones are are, are Christian, uh, the Protestants, uh, Lutheran, Anglican, Roman Catholic, Greek, or, Greek Orthodox, Slavonic Orthodox, Georgian Orthodox, are uh, Aramean Apostolic, Syriac Orthodox, Coptic Orthodox, Orthodox Tawahedo. And the Assyrian church, every one of these churches have different Bible canons. Now, this is not including some of the like groups like, like Jehovah's Witnesses or some other kind of group like that. These are, you know, like major Christian denominations. So like, for example, uh, even the Ethiopian Tawahedo Orthodox is uh, 50, what is it now? 50 some odd million members strong. Um it's a good size of Christianity. Good size. Uh, it's a good chunk of the Christian church, including you know the Protestants, of course. Um, of course, we all know about the Roman Catholics, Greek Orthodox. This kind. Of, each one of these churches, each one of these columns, stands for a different Bible canon. So each one of these Bible canons, the green shows that this particular book, like over here, I don't know if we can see this or not, like First and Second Chronicles. Our first and second chronicles is in every one of these Bible canons. Now, the prayer, prayer of Manasseh, for example, isn't in every one. It's in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's in a good two thirds of it. It's in a good two thirds of all of the uh, Bibles uh, in in Christianity, but in in part of it, there's it's not in uh, the, the orange stands for in some um, in some. 
Bible canons or in the Apocrypha, and uh, the uh, magenta would be no, it's not, or the, the, the light and dark magenta means no, it's not there at all. So uh, as you can see, you know, there are many, many uh, different variations of Bible canons. Uh, and that's the, that's the uh, so-called Old Testament. Now, this is the New Testament. Um, just zooming in here a little bit so you can see it a little bit better. So we've got... Um, oh, sorry. <laughs> I went back to the Old Testament here. Um, so the New Testament... Uh, sorry about this. Here we are. Okay, so like we got the Protestant, Protestant, Roman Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Aramean, Aramean Apostolic Tradition, Coptic Orthodox, Ortho, uh, uh, Tawahedo Orthodox, and Syrian Christian. Okay, so uh, um, of course Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are in all of all of, the, all of these canons. Um, Acts are in all of these canons. Now uh, the Acts of Paul and Thelka are, are in um, the early tradition of the Aramean Apostolic Church and also the early tradition of the Syriac Church, uh, but not in the other ones. So uh, again, without going into too much detail here, we have a lot of different Bible camps. Those of us who are in the West, we all we know of is basically Protestant and in, in, in Roman Catholic, unless you know, uh, the Orthodox is getting a little bit, little bit more populous in the West, but not so much as it is in the East. So, I mean, in in most people's minds, it's like you're either a Protestant and you and you receive it, you know, you accept the sixty six book canon, or you're a Catholic and well, yeah, Catholics they they accept the Apocrypha, and that's not, you know, that's not Scripture, according to the Protestants. I think it is. And by the way, it was in the Protestant Bible for many years. Um, but anyway, the idea is this. Almost every major church, almost every major section of Christianity has its own Bible canon. And I don't believe that one could look at the other and say that they're wrong. I don't believe that the Roman Catholics should look at the the, uh, the Tawahedo Orthodox and say, "Our Bible is right, your Bible is wrong." Who's to how? What gives them the right to say that? I don't think the Syriac should look at the Greek Orthodox and say, "Our Bible is right, your Bible is wrong." You you guys don't have the books that we have. We have the true books. In the same way with the Protestant. I don't think the Protestant has the right to look at the Ethiopian Orthodox and say, oh, your Bible is wrong, our Bible is right. The reason being is because Bible, the, the Bible canon is not biblical. Nowhere in the Bible, nowhere even in church history as far as I know of, nowhere in, in the early church, Nowhere did any apostle, prophet, priest, or king claim that God came to them or showed them a vision or an angel came to them or Jesus came to them and said, oh, here, I'm going to write down a, a list of 66 books and I want you to put them in, in, a, in a book and call it the Holy Bible. That's unbiblical. 
That's what I mean. A Bible canon, what a Bible canon is, is basically a collection of books. So when a when a church has a quote unquote Bible canon, what they're doing is, especially when it comes to the the Pentecostal church, or not the Pentecostal, the excuse me, the um, Protestant church, the Protestant fundamentalist, ultra or uh, ultra conservative evangelical church. What they do is they make an idol out of their canon. They say their their canon is perfect, and there's no more. You can't add to you can't add to it. You can't take away from it, and it's perfect. And none of the not not one book contradicts the other in any way, any way, shape, or form. So what they do is they make an idol out of it, and I think that's wrong. I don't think God wants anybody to make an idol out of their Bible canon. If you if you look at Bible history, back in the days of Yeshua, there was no Bible. Back in the days of Jesus, back in the days of the book of Acts, there was no Bible. They had each book was kept in its own place individually from each other. Notice in Luke chapter 4, we have the scroll of Isaiah that was handed to, to Jesus. Not the Bible. And Jesus had no problem with that. He found no need whatsoever to say, oh, oh, uh, this is wrong. We should put them all together and call it the Holy Bible. That's wrong. That's why I say the Bible is unbiblical. Yes, we should, we should have all the books of the Bible and study each book of the Bible for what it says about itself. Not to put it together in one compilation and believe what man says about that compilation. Because man, what man says is, Oh, the, the compilation I have, whether it's the 66-book Protestant Bible or the 81-book Orthodox Tawahedo Bible, whatever the case is, our Bible is, is it. It's, it's the perfect Bible. Um, that's wrong. That's, that's unbiblical. God, I don't believe God really, as far as I know, God never told anybody to do that. And so what people do then is what they 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 put their faith in in man, thinking that God actually did it. They put their faith in man, thinking that God was behind every decision of a Bible publisher or a, or the or the the scribes. That's what they're doing. That's what they did. Um. And so, don't get me wrong, when I say the Bible is not biblical, I'm talking about the canon, a canon, the collection. It's almost like this. It's almost like a Bible is like a library in and of itself. And so, to, to say a certain library is, is God's closed library, and to say that there's no more, no less that you can add to or take away from this library... I don't believe that it should be like that. I think that, that God wants us to study to show ourselves approved, that we should study for ourselves, that we should read each book for what it really says about itself. Now, the, we, for the most part, Christians have got, uh, I mean, I'm pretty much the whole entire uh, Bible. The, the Christian Bible has been um, obtained from, from Jews. Every prophet, every scribe was a Jew. Every author of the Bible was a Jew. Everyone. Without exception. 
even the New Testament, they're all Jews. So I don't think we should take the food out of the hand of, of the Jewish people, so to say, and, and then spit in their face and say, I'm not going to listen to what you say about it. What the Jews say about it is important. The Jews tell us that not all books are created equal. There is a hierarchy of scriptural. There's a scriptural hierarchy. Some books are more authoritative than others. The Tanakh, which is what Christians call the Old Testament, the Jews call it the Tanakh, T-N-K, T for Torah, N for Nevi'im, K for Ketavim. T for Torah, which means God's instructions, his commandments, his laws, his statutes, his ordinances, his testimonies, that kind of thing. The, the Nevi'im is the prophets. The Ketavim are the writings, right? T-N-K, Tanakh, in that order, in that specific order. For a reason, the, the Torah is on top, the most authoritative. The, the prophets are under the Torah, and the Ketavim are under the prophets. So that's why I'm saying that like the, when we're reading the first Chronicles, uh, it is part of the Ketavim. So it's, it's part of the bottom. It's not part of the top. Uh, so if there's any contradictions, we should take the other parts of Scripture uh, as opposed to what the Chronicles say. Um, so, um, yeah, so I hope that's sheds a little bit of light on the sh on the subject. I'm sorry about the confusion there. Okay, so we're getting we're getting so many comments again. I, I'm never going to be able to keep up with all these comments. So I'm I, my apologies in advance. I cannot <laughs> I cannot read this. I cannot do what I'm doing here and read all your comments at once. If the, if the, if you have a specific comment you want to direct specifically to me, um, please put at Christopher in your comment, and, I, and that will kind of help me to, um, to to single those comments out. Now, whatever happened to uh, Jay? Jay, are you still there? Jay Williams wanted to come on and talk to me here. I said he could, I'll, you know, proving that he's not going to that he's not going to be uh, an un, a malicious troll. Um, he's welcome to do that after I read a few more Psalms here. Jay, are you still there? If you are, okay. I just see this. Yes, I'm here. I was just going to say, if you're, if you're there, um, let me know. Put the at Christopher in there. Jay, um, I did not, I'm sorry if you did. I did not see any, uh, any response to, like we all were all asking you, uh, you have a, Twitter handle, uh, a Facebook handle, but okay, handle, username, Twitter username, Facebook username, uh, YouTube username, TikTok, where like you got something, put your username uh, in the live chat so we can make sure that you, you know that you're, uh, you're not uh, going to, uh, I don't mind. I don't mind if you disagree. I don't mind if you don't like me. That's fine. You want you want to talk about something? You got questions, or you you want to you want to present uh, evidence that you believe is is against what we're saying here? That's fine. But I think it's only reasonable to ask that you prove that um, that you are not just a malicious troll. What I'm looking for is a legit social media profile 
somehow. You should have something, Jay. If you are, if you're willing to come on here with your camera on and all that, and by the way, I'm not going to let you on without a camera on. Um, if you're willing to do that, you should, I mean, if you know how to do that, you should have a sort of social media, um, uh, profile available. Okay. I am guys. You guys are having an awesome conversation on the live chat there. Please feel free to go on. I'm going to call Hannah to the keyboard just for a few minutes and I will be back in just a few minutes, guys. Excuse me. I will be back in just a few minutes. Until then, may Hannah bless you with some wonderful, wonderful music. The wonderful music of heaven. Go ahead.
Okay. That was wonderful. Thank you, Hannah. Awesome, awesome music. All right, guys. So let's uh, let's get into Psalm 49. Um, Jay says, I have an email. Don't use social media. Well, I mean, you you have a YouTube account, obviously. Um, you got to have, is there something else? Something else you can show me? Something? All right. So, um, all right. Psalm 49. For the music director, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Hear this, all peoples. Listen, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth will speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart will be understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will express my riddle on the harp. Why should I fear in the in days of adversity when the injustice of those who betray me surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the abundance of their riches. No one can by any means redeem another or give God a ransom for him. And the redemption of his soul is price, excuse me, for the redemption of his soul is priceless. And he should cease imagining forever. That he might live on eternally. That he might undergo not decay. Again, that's talking about the resurrection there. For he sees that even wise people die. The foolish and the stupid alike perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is the house, is their houses, is that their houses are forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They have named their lands after their own names. But man in splendor in his splendor will not endure. He is like the animals that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish, and those and of those after them who approve their words, Selah. Like sheep, they sink down to Sheol. Death will be their shepherd, and the upright will rule over them in the morning, and their form shall be for Sheol to consume so that they have no lofty home. But God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Selah. Do not be afraid when, when a person becomes rich, when the splendor of his house is increased, for when he dies, he will take nothing with him. With him. His wealth will not descend after him. Though while he lives, he congratulates himself. And though people praise you when you do well for yourself, he will go to the generation of his fathers. They will never see the light. Mankind in his splendor, in its splendor, yet without understanding, is like the animals that perish. Psalm 84. For the music director. On the Gittith, a psalm of the sons of Korah. How lovely are your dwelling places, Lord of armies. 
My soul longed and even yearned for the courtyards of the Lord. My heart and my flesh sing for joy to the living God. The bird also has found a house and swallow a nest for herself where she may put her, put her young. Your altars, Lord of armies, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you, Selah. Blessed is the person whose strength is in you, in whose heart are the roads to Zion. Passing through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The early rain also covers it with blessings. They go from strength to strength. Every one of them appears before God in Zion. Lord God of armies, hear my prayer. Listen, God of Jacob, Selah. See our shield, God, and look at the face of your anointed. For a day in your courtyards is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather stand at the threshold of the house of my God than live in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord gives grace and glory. He withholds no good thing from those who walk with integrity. Lord of armies, blessed is the person who trusts in you. Psalm 85. For the music director, Psalm of the Sons of Korah. Lord, you showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the guilt of your people. You covered all their sin. Selah. You withdrew all your fury. You turned away from your, your burning anger. Restore us, God of our salvation. And cause your indignation toward us to cease. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again so that our so that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will say. For he will speak peace to his people, to his godly ones, and, he, and, may, and may they not turn back to foolishness. Certainly his salvation is near to those who fear that glory may dwell in our land. Graciousness and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth sprouts from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. Indeed, the Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its produce. Righteousness will go before him and will make his footsteps into a way. And finally, Psalm chapter 87, a psalm of the sons of Korah, a song. His foundation is in the holy mountains. The Lord loves the gates of Zion. More than all the other dwelling places of Jacob, glorious things are spoken of you, city of God, Selah. I shall mention Rahab and Babylon among those who know me. Behold, Philist Philistia 
and Tyre with Cush. Again, Rahab in the notes, i.e. Egypt as a sea monster, not to be confused with Rahab in Joshua 2. And in Babylon, among those who know me, or as those who know me, right? Um, Philistia and Tyre with Cush. Cush uh, is Ethiopia. This one was born there. But of Zion, it will be said, this one and that one were born in her. And the Most High himself will establish her. The Lord will count when he registers the peoples. This one was born there, Selah. Then those who sing as, the, as well as those who play the flutes will say, All my springs of joy are in you. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So let me see what else we got here. If I missed anything again, anything that because there are so many, so much going on in the in the live chat, I cannot get to all of it. Um, if you have anything specifically for me, just put at Christopher in the uh, live chat. Um, all right. So I have not received anything from Jay. I mean, the last thing he says is, uh, he has email, but he doesn't use social media. Uh, Jay, I hope you understand, uh, you know, uh, people that I don't know, uh, people that nobody knows on here, uh, we can receive some very, uh, unwanted things. Uh, if, if you come on here, especially if you come, <laughs> you come on here, uh, as a live guest, I hope you understand. That's one thing. I only ask a couple things from anybody who wants to come on as a guest. Uh, and that is number one, that you identify yourself at, at least produce some kind of a internet identity somehow. Um, and then also that you are, uh, willing to turn your camera on as well. Those are the only things that I ask. Um, I really, I, I didn't even get uh, a yes on both of those either, Jay. Uh, finally, Jay, uh, you're welcome to come back if you want to come back. Uh, tomorrow night, Lord willing, we'll be back. Um, if you have a quick question for me tonight, if you want to put it in there, put it in there right now, I can answer that. Uh, otherwise, um, if you want to talk, you got a question, then... Uh, Come back tomorrow and uh, we can, uh, or another night. Christina says, I really appreciate that, that you won't just let anyone speak live. Thank you very much, Christina. I appreciate your, I appreciate you, Christina. I appreciate your comments and your questions. Um, yeah, I mean, you can just imagine what could happen if I just put anybody on here that we don't know. Uh, so, yeah. Again, I don't mind and I make it very, very clear. And I think that history proves that I don't mind speaking to people who are in, in odds with me um, and you want to challenge me, that's fine. You want to do an off-the-cuff off the debate, uh, I get that. I mean, most of the time when I go on here, I don't have much of any kind of uh, preparation, especially uh, you know, last, the last, actually anytime when I come on here debating anybody, um, 
I don't get to talk to them about much about what the topic is. So it's basically uh, kind of like in just off the cuff, off the top of my head kind of thing. So, all right. Going nowhere, it says, have I ever lost an argument or debate? Well, I mean, have I ever in my in my life uh, it lost an argument? Yeah, I, I mean, we're all. <laughs> there's no. I'm not going to say that I never lose an argument. I mean, that wouldn't be uh, or lost a debate. I mean, that's up for you guys to to judge. Um, you know, in any of the uh, uh, debates or discussions that we have, I I I present my case. I I I speak what uh, what's on my mind, and um, you know, a lot of times it's just a matter of how you view something. And, uh, you know, I respect, I respect everybody's position as well. The great, the great, uh, deception says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Shalom. Jay says, I just want to have an edifying chat. I, I, I'll try to get the kinks worked out. Well, like I said, Jay, uh, you're welcome to come back tomorrow night and uh, we'll be on every single night, Lord willing, from now until like from now through Friday night, every single evening um, and Saturday afternoon, Lord willing, at 2 p.m. <laughs> Mike. Mike says, I guarantee there's no soothsaying here. Yeah, uh, uh, Jay. I mean, we, I think we, we try to, I want to be your responsible and, and, uh, and all that kind of thing. The, w usually what I do is like, if you respect me, I respect you. If you don't respect me, well, I mean, you can't expect me to show a whole lot of respect if you don't respect me. So, uh, that's, that's really kind of like the unspoken rules here around here. Jay says, I respect your beliefs. I just want to understand your stance. Okay. Yes, Jay, this is the end of the night. And I guess we're, we're just wrapping up here. And again, we have, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, as Christina uh, says here that, uh, you know, she uh, is in agreement. And I think that probably everybody on here is in agreement with, uh, with how we do things in, in regards to who we allow to come on and, you know, all that kind of thing. You're very welcome, Jay. I mean, you have a uh, you have a, a any kind of social media profile that you happen to have forgotten about. Um, you're welcome to to let me know. Send me an email, and you're welcome to come on here. And if you want to, um, if you want to come on uh, another night, every night from uh, every night at seven p.m. Eastern, we go live by the grace of God. So if you want to come back tomorrow and you want to, if you want to come back, Jay, what I would, what I would uh, recommend is you come back, um, come back early, come back, uh, come on here, you know, seven, just shortly after seven. And, uh, you got some questions. Do you want to ask some questions in the live chat? We can do that. Um, a lot, it's a lot better that way. If you have no way of proving yourself otherwise, and I'll be, I'll, you know, I'll gladly answer your questions and, and, and have a chat that way. Okay, Jay. Um, so hopefully I'll see you tomorrow night. Right. One John says, are you still doing that calendar study and have you reached a conclusion? Um, 
Yeah, I would like to do the calendar study. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, actually, ha- I got an email from Dr. Snyder, and he says that he would, he, uh, he loved you guys. He loved you guys. I got an email from, from uh, Dr. Snyder. You know what? If I can just read, I'll read a little bit. I don't think he would, he would mind if I read a little bit of, um, I'll read a little bit to you guys. Okay, so Dr. Snyder, he just sent me an email after that, and he said, thank you again for the opportunity. Uh, I love your followers. Uh, those who were in, those who were on the chat, uh, they are very polite and accepting. I appreciate that. And then he goes on as well, um, thanking, thanking, uh, thanking us. So, yeah. So uh, I think it would be very interesting, especially for uh, Dr. Snyder. He mentioned uh, uh, talking about this, the Zetakite, Zetakite calendar i think it'd be very interesting to get him back on uh he did say that he would that he's got more to say about paul uh he didn't say everything that he didn't uh um he didn't give us his all on paul yet so he's got more to say on paul um and i know he does <laughs> i know he's got fun things yeah christina says dr snyder was uh was fun yeah i love when people get excited about what they're what they're talking about yeah absolutely yeah, so perhaps in the next uh, week or so, we'll see uh, see uh, what uh, Dr. Snyder has uh, for his schedule. We'll get him back to finish up on Paul. Uh, I mean, if you thought what he said there last time, last Friday, was interesting, I'm, I'm sure that you'll find uh, his other content on Paul to be uh, just as interesting, if not even more interesting. Um, I I've heard him say some things that are, yeah, very, you know, raise a few eyebrows. Let's just say that. So, yeah, I'd like to have him come back and perhaps he can talk about the Zetakite calendar as well and get into all these, that kind of thing. So, one John, yes. Um, have I reached a conclusion regarding the calendars? Um, I'm always open. And so when I, when I say conclusion, uh, I have not really changed. Um, I'm, I'm just open. I'm just open. So um, going nowhere, asked a question about one of my hub pages um, articles. Hub pages, by the way, as you probably know, is very old. Actually, how long ago did I write that? Yikes. Over, oh, it must have been over 10 years ago. A lot. Uh, yeah, it's been over a decade for sure. Um, let me see now, or approximately a decade. Um, yeah. So yes, to answer your question, go, going ignoring. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Generally speaking. Yes. Okay. So that'd be it for tonight. And so tomorrow night we'll be back same time, same place, 7 p.m. Eastern. We'll pick up. Hopefully I'll see Jay back. Jay, hopefully, hopefully I'll see you back. If you got some good questions for me, I will do my best to answer them. And we will continue with our chronological reading of the scriptures. Amen. As always, you guys are awesome. Yeshua will correct what needs to be corrected. Yes, I think he'll correct a whole lot more than the world is willing to accept for sure, especially when he returns for sure. Amen. Okay, you guys are awesome, as always. I love you guys. I appreciate each one of you guys. So I'll see you again tomorrow evening, 7 p.m. Eastern.
As always, I pray for each one of you. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you. Lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow.